Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. If you listen on the Entail app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hi. I love the way you just smiled. I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I don't know about you, but I feel like the desert I'm so dry. I'm basically the human equivalent of those like plains that you see in kind of, I don't know, Argentina or whatever that are salt and cracked and I'm dry inside and out and I feel like bits of me are flaking and shedding and yeah, so I'm painting. It's a desiccated husk. (laughs) I'm just, I'm painting such a pretty picture. Like a noodle with no water. Just an old Weetabix with bits flying off everywhere. Oh my god, that's it, Weetabix. Weetabix. That's how I feel like. I feel like a human Weetabix. Hi, Annabelle, how are you? (laughs) Um, Hi, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. Um, But I'm not really. I'm just not. Nothing feels okay. And what I really am not enjoying is the lengthening of the days. Everyone else is going, oh, it's going to get warmer and it's sunny and these lovely long evenings. And I just want to, and on a couple of occasions have, just drawn the curtains because I feel it, I find it makes me feel very melancholy, very exposed. I googled it and it said that sometimes highly sensitive people don't like the clocks changing because it reminds them of the passing of time. Oh my goodness. Gets me somewhere right, you know, in my core, the shifting of the daylight hours uh, and not in a joyful way, but then again... Our personalities are doing all sorts of peculiar things at the moment. I mean, it's so true as well, because the combination of easing out of lockdown and also the sort of the lights coming on outside means that you sort of feel compelled to to, to kind of fill it with things. Yes, and I feel like I'm stuck in the glare of some sort of like, sort of spotlight of expectation, mostly my own. And it's unpleasant. Yes, and as you said, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel the other day someone asked me a question and I hissed at them. Yeah, and, and because they will. People, uh, won't they, insist on asking things like, is your face mask a Liberty print? Or <laughs> have you been to the hairdresser yet? Emphatically, no. You've got to react somehow. <laughs> I mean, and you have to give people indication of your displeasure, like a sort of vampire disturbed from a 200-year sleep. So, yeah, hissing as a response, I feel like, is one of those things. I mean, it's a bit panto. <laughs> yeah. But as long as it makes people go away, then it's a sort of, you know, every cloud. Um, my codependency with, with my phone is, uh, has taken on a new flavour throughout the last year. I'm trying to please it all the time with my walking. <laughs> I want it to be happy with me and I want credit. I want it to be proud, you know. Because when I go for my walks, I mean, supposedly it's for my mental health, but mostly it's not. Mostly it's in the hope that my phone will approve of how many steps I've taken today. Because... That that health app, the heart, that none of us even knew existed a year ago is now absolutely the centre of my life. Um, because my phone will know if I haven't uh, if I haven't gone far enough. Because I mean, let's not pretend I ever go anywhere without it. So, and it judges you. It, you know, it it compares like today you're walking less than you did yesterday. This week you're walking less than you did last week. This year you're walking less than you did last year. Today you only took three thousand four hundred and fifty two steps. Yesterday you took seven thousand nine hundred and sixty three steps. Oh, okay. So you want to be fat and unfit? Fine. <laughs> it's so gaslighty the phone as well. It sends you pictures from like ten years ago. It's like a mother-in-law. 
<laughs> when you were incredibly like sort of sunkissed, there you are on a beach, ha ha ha, as you kind of, as I, as I exactly the human Weetabix that I am. Oh, speaking of, do you know what else I want credit for? Yeah. Is how brilliant I've become at snacks. The sheer creativity. I'm like a snack connoisseur, really an art form. Cheese and Marmite in a hot cross bun, mm. back of the net. Honey on peanut butter on a spoon. I mean, I'm like the Salvatore Dali of snacks. Turkey slices spread with Philadelphia. Oh, Van Gogh that you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little tiny, little, I was about to say portable, but that's not, you know, individual salamis dipped in Dijon mustard. Oh my God, the individual salamis are, like, amazing. Oh, well, the only thing that would make snacks better... Would be if we weren't eating them on our own sofas. Exactly. Travel fantasy. Oh my God. More than sexual (laughs) fantasy. In just an extraordinary way. Yeah. Can you even imagine? I mean, okay, the holidays that we'll have, the Grand Canyon, Bora Bora, various archipelago, a grand tour, a gap year, anywhere, anywhere but here. I mean, of course, this isn't going to happen, but, you know, we're travel fantasists now, so we can dream bigger, we can talk bigger, we can Google a lot of tented desert camps and island tree houses. I actually want to go on holiday, and I've been looking up holidays in suspended tree tents. Oh, my God, that <laughs> makes me feel anxious. Like, occasionally on Instagram, you'll see someone sleeping on the side of a cliff in a pod. <laughs> I don't want to be on the side of a cliff, but I do want to be, like, in a suspended tree tent. Yeah, secretly, can you really bear the thought of going anywhere further than your kitchen? No, of course not. Like, at the moment, I have such a perfect grip of the numbers of everything and of how everything works out. Yes, because we're all statisticians oh now, my, aren't we? Oh, my God. All we, about numbers and dates. I mean, honestly, if NASA called me up, I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, exactly, because you could tell them exactly how many weeks until those dates and how many things change on that date and the R number and the percentage of protection you get from one shot of various vaccines and how many weeks until your first jab and then your second jab and how many shots you're going to drink on the 21st of June. I know, I'm I'm like Carrie Matheson's terrorist wall in Homeland, connecting and collating information like a human calculator and menacing yet impressive. Or maybe just insane. <laughs> Definitely insane. I mean, uh, just the insanity of what's coming out of my mouth at the moment. We have to be really careful about the interfaces because, I mean, is it okay for people to know the dysfunction that's happening inside? Because the conversations that I'm having or attempting to have, I mean, it's not good. Someone says, how are you? And I launch either into an extended silence, which I can do for a while and it doesn't really bother me. I'm so shut down and locked in. Or an enormous overshare about the state of my relationships, my periods, my mental health, giant oversharing. Yes, it's almost like when someone says, how are you? It's not only a real question, but the person is a therapist, has a notepad, and it will be taking notes. You have to, cannot spare them any detail. No, no, you have to start offloading all the things you're struggling with, or it's a waste of your hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up making an amends with one of my oldest friends about something that happened 15 years ago because it had started nagging at me in lockdown. That's quite healthy, though. I bet that went well. It did go very well, actually. It was great. It felt really good. Do you think that the most offensive act of aggression in conversation right now is what are your summer plans? Uh, Without a doubt. It's like, if I hear that question or even think about that question, I clench. I know. It's generally from people who are very organised, quite rich. And they've booked villas and sort of theatre and restaurants. And, and, and they're all talking about things like paddleboarding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even fucking summon the energy to book the, a lane at my local swimming pool, let alone organise a place where I could paddleboard. I know, the idea of summer holidays presses all sorts of buttons, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And also, uh, the other thing that I'm really feeling is, 
is that when someone asks me or I'm in conversation with someone, I cannot help but give them my personal pandemic retrospective. Yes, a month by month breakdown of, of how it's been for you with, with no month spared. And I was thinking about why this was, and I think it's because I'm broadly fine at the moment. Touch wood, I've said it now, so obviously some catastrophe is going to hit me like a kind of meteor. But I wasn't fine in October and I basically I want people to know that I've struggled you want credit I do I want pandemic you do you want credit it's the love language isn't it you want credit whereas I don't want anyone to know my business (laughs) I just want everybody to to know that I've done very well like that I'm a very brave girl and a very shallow person (laughs) that's exactly right it's so true my problem now in terms of being a massive bore is 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 short story long my god we're all guilty of this at the moment you know because i'm out and i'm either excited to be out or incredibly anxious to be out depending on who i am at that moment and the ability to edit has just evaporated so i'm just my thoughts are just externalizing themselves without being put through any filter at all so and what comes with that is an inability to be brief or succinct as well as a really uncontrollable urge to just say everything and leave no boring stone or boring <laughs> thought unturned <laughs> On and on and on, bicycle lanes, I'll talk about flight paths, pasta shapes, leaks, you know, both personal and domestic. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it it doesn't bode well. Do you think that everybody's also having the TV conversation? Because I, I was reminded the other day of that first day at university when inexplicably everybody starts talking about what children's TV they used to watch. It's so weird. And and I think it's obviously everybody's feeling run out. Do you think everyone's just left home and they're hysterical and they want to remember what it was like when they were three? I think psychologically it must be. It must yeah. be like, can we talk about play school and those creatures that were on the moon and uh, and all that stuff? And I can't even remember. But I, I also remember feeling really isolated because I didn't go to primary school in the UK. And so therefore I didn't have that common... I think that's why I violently remember it. So I didn't have that common ground. And I was like, I didn't watch any of these programs. I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, and I feel like the TV conversation is happening again. It's like, so what did you watch in lockdown? Let's find the safe territory. But now I'm having a horrible triggered experience because I've got shut down to the point where I'm not reading anything or watching anything unless it's like Antiques Roadshow or Come Dine With Me because I can't have any new information flooding into my brain from the telly and particularly not plot lines like Line of Duty where I can't control what's going on. There's going to be suspense and violence. I can in no way cope with that. So when people say... What have you been watching on TV? I either lie if I'm feeling like I want to ingratiate myself or I say nothing very aggressively. I remember going through a stage when I didn't like someone and they would say, this was soon afterwards, they'd say, oh, how's how's your dad? And I'd go, dead. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'd just say that and then let them chew on it and see what happened. I don't really know what to say to that, except for I'm really annoyed with you for not watching Line of Duty because basically you're the person I talk to most in the world. And I'm like, why can't we just turn this into a whole... I'm listening to two Line of Duty podcasts and I'm thinking that it should be, I'm absolutely fine, but I'm not watching Line of Duty. I think that uh, it would tip me over the edge. (laughs) Genuinely, I think it would tip me over the edge. I don't think I'd be able to handle it at all. So careful what you wish for, because you'd be the one dealing with the fallout. I mean, it's so true. The other thing that is also uh, the conversations that I'm having is the isn't it weird conversation where you basically just sit around going isn't this weird isn't it weird that we're here I mean it's so weird right isn't it weird that we're together hasn't it all been so weird it's so strange isn't it unprecedented so strange (laughs) this for about an hour (laughs) I mean an hour four hours (laughs) exactly whatever we can get whatever we've got to give but to avoid that sometimes what I think we we've started doing is having a pre-conversation conversation (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I did this with my friend Kate the other day. We spoke before to establish the parameters, yeah. not the dress code, but I feel like that is, and you know, we've discussed this already, but that's sort of an essential. But the parameters, got anything sticky out of the way? And then what's on the agenda? Like you almost need a, a list, like keep track of everything that you need to talk you about. You need conversational itinerary. Yes. To know exactly where you're meant to be at any point. Otherwise things could veer violently off course. And what does that mean? That means mental. And I mean, Jesus, at the moment, it is just a question of how mental are we anyway? Mental. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, everyone, I mean, I, I defy anyone listening to this not to have some form of weird behaviour going on. I know, please send them in because we feel lonely. I mean, I, mean, so I went to um, a sort of garden party with my best friends, like, you know, six of my, you know, really, really close, super fun, quite crazy friends the other night. And I stayed for 45 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable. I wanted to leave after 15. I went, hello, hello, I'm so pleased to see you. Hello, hello. And I thought, am I done now? Have I seen people? <laughs> Have I now peopled? Please let me go. I just needed to get back to, first of all, I needed to get out of the human clothes I was wearing because I felt like a policewoman. I was, it was so structured. This it was only a denim dress, but I put a, a belt on. Did you? I put a belt on. Oh my God, you've gone all J-Lo again. Oh, that's what you think. I think I look like, you know, a, a prison guard and you think I look like J-Lo because you're a nice person. I was wearing hoop earrings with my denim dress. But I, was, I really was desperate to leave and I really love these people and this doesn't bode well. It's very difficult to sit down for long periods of time. I mean, as in sit down to eat. Now, I'm absolutely dreading going to a restaurant for like a full meal. Yeah, we've because... all been dancing to the beat of our own drum. Yeah, and like... Everyone wanders off when they want to. It's done. I'm practically washing up while people are still eating. In a, just that it feels like a sort of cycle. Also sitting in front of the television and eating instead of sitting at the table. And the idea of kind of like sitting up straight and, and having to have actual eye contact rather well, than zoom non eye contact with people for how long does a dinner last? Conservatively an hour and a half. Yeah. That is a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing that part of the pre-conversation should be, okay, basically, can we make dinner like an hour and 15 minutes? Well, actually, if you book into a lot of restaurants now, because they're so desperate to get people through, they're doing sittings. So you don't have much choice. So that's a plus. Definite plus. Definite plus. That's an upside. But the getting dressed to go, I mean, my, the way that I get dressed now is, is the sort of fantasy dressing. <laughs> Uh, the, um, the different personas has gone mad, right? Yeah, I've got this. Sorry, the reason it's making me laugh is because I've got a long hooded cardigan and every time I put it on, I go, well, I'm French lieutenant's woman now. I'd better go and stand at the edge of the cob and wait for my lover to not return. Yes. And if you walk down the stairs and your skirt sweeps behind you a little, it doesn't take much of a skirt to it, then immediately you're Cinderella. Oh, yeah. De- it's Russell. a ball! <laughs> <laughs> this is my moment I know and I wore um, my DM boots with a long skirt the other day what and suddenly I was like Joe March from Little Women or Little House on the Prairie all of those fantasies I was like, it's just brilliant it's sad to a certain extent how the, the, the clothes fantasies can shift as you get older I mean you know whenever I used to wear a sort of white Victorian nightie and I'm, I'm partial to a white Victorian nightie I felt like a sort of raunchy busty wench and, and, and now I feel like a woman who's just died in childbirth <laughs> And you, this is this is my ghost outfit. This is what I'm going to be wearing forever. Can I just tell you this forever ghost outfit thing is? I'm sorry to pass this on to listeners, but it is absolutely the worst thing I have ever seen on social media. It was remember every time you get dressed, this could be your forever ghost outfit. Now I'm haunted by that. It's like an extension of wear nice knickers because if you get run over by a bus, everyone will think that these are the knickers that represent who you really are. 
Oh my god, this is so traumatic. I mean, not that anyone would care about your knickers unless there's some very pervy, more you know, morticians out there. I don't know about that. Roll, roll up my sleeves. I feel like a land girl about to till the earth. I know. I think my cords. One of the reasons why I've worn my cords for so long is because they make me feel like a land girl. Do they? Yeah. I I just suddenly that suddenly connected with me. It's like part seventies, part land girl. Like here I am, just not bothered Capable, by myself. Enthusiastic, exactly. not about to make a fuss. Get shit done. Yes, exactly. Doesn't want credit for... Doesn't want any of the credit. Secretly wants credit for everything (laughs) we now know. All the credit. Do you know the other thing that is incredibly sort of weird behaviour is that I've now got to the point where I'm telling stories that things that I've seen on social media and crying while recounting them. But like, not just sort of like a tear at the end of the eye... I don't even know how to say that. A tear. Not just a picturesque tear just falling down your cheek. Proper, like, like, ugly crying howling. Yeah, I've got to stop telling the story. And it's basically... I'm sure everyone's very grateful that you have to stop telling the story. Well, that's the thing. But then I recover and then keep going. You don't. Yes, I do. Persist and persevere. Exactly. Nevertheless, she persisted. This is what this was written for. But crying in general. I mean, is it okay to cry this much? I don't trust myself not to cry at any given time. I'm liable to start wailing, like, right now. I know. Well, you know, I gave myself a crying injury. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really upsetting. Yes, regular listeners will know that Emily cried so much one day she gave herself eye eczema. This was a month ago and it's still there. <laughs> oh, thank you to the people who've written in and told me what to do about it. I'm so grateful. The other thing I've forgotten to do, and this was really thrown into sharp relief when I went to Westfield yesterday, was how to walk in crowds. What, negotiate that funny human dodgem dance? Yeah, it's like everyone has forgotten how to move about in space. And, and honestly, I was literally, I was like either rammed or ramming. Slamming people. And it's <laughs> ironic to think that we're banging into people more now when we're meant to be social distancing because we can't work out how to swerve them. Nobody knows what the fuck. Exactly. It's like that immovable object that's coming towards you. You just have to walk into them. Nobody knows where they're supposed to be walking, which side they're supposed to be using. And it was like carnage. Nobody knows how to be at all. I mean, how are we going to, um, over the next few months, stop picking at our feet, (laughs) picking our noses, biting our cuticles, nibbling dry bits on our lips, peeling away dry skin on our faces, fiddling with spots, trying to pluck a chin hair with your nails? How are we going to put on a human suit again and pretend to be civilised rather than just a sort of stinky bear living in a cave also to not put our phones down for long enough i mean i feel like we've been permanently attached to our phones in a way that's so yeah yeah and and sort of fallen down that rabbit hole whether we need alerts we need to know what's going on we need to know how many steps we've done whatever it is it's like thing and then the idea of how are we going to put it down long enough to have like a proper conversation how are we going to deal with that separation anxiety yeah, I mean, separation anxiety. I mean, what I found is the couple of times I ventured out, I mean, you know, sort of grudgingly and, and, and full of fear, ventured out to see people. I'm longing for home straight away. It's like, I think a lot of us maybe have got Stockholm Syndrome with our, with our, with our flats and houses. They've been sort of benign prisons, you know, with sort of, you know, leaking ceilings and stained carpets. But they have been the places that we feel safe. I find it hard to be away from home for longer than an hour. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely understand. And also without, like, it's fine if I'm just going for a walk, but the idea of kind of leaving in the morning and not coming back until the end of the day. Yeah, leaving at eight and getting back at 6.30, I mean, which is what we always used to do. How the fuck did we do that? I don't know. It was miserable, I think, even, you know, it was. And there surely there's a middle way. Yes, I agree. I mean, that was work, but it's the same with going out to see friends. I mean, I've got overwhelming anxiety about who I'm supposed to see because surely they won't want to see me. I'm worried about disturbing people, 
you know, I've got real trouble processing the idea that anyone m- might want to hang out with me. And, and also, I'm worried about disturbing people because every time a text or a WhatsApp arrives to try to make a plan, I feel disturbed. Yeah. In every sense of the word, disturbed. Um, it's one thing seeing the people that we've been seeing over the last year for walks or slightly illegally or whatever we've chosen to do, but it's another to try and reignite those old friendships that feel very distant. But I mean, I guess the world as usual is divided because there are people who are raring to go and they hit the pub on Monday night and they're busy planning their summers with group staycations and group camping trips and group holidays and group everything. And they're, they're rushing out for lunches and they're putting together dinners and they're just full of the joys of freedom. And you, you can see and hear that they're just bursting with unadulterated relief to be able to reform those complicated spider webs of their social lives and that they are armed and ready to reclaim their place in the world. They're planning, 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 and they're planning with elation. They're not plodding. They're leaping into it. And then there's the rest of us, tired and reduced and just slightly not knowing how or where to begin. Because there's now, it's a shame this, but a kind of dragging sense of duty about reconnection without any of the joy. Because we understand that we have to, or our lives will stay shrunken and our relationships will expire. But, I mean, I know I feel terribly worried about whether I can rise to meet the world. So it's all the pressure of planning, but none of the pleasure. Because cancellation, which was always our old superpower, Emma, as we always talk about, doesn't feel like an option now that everything's so fresh. And diaries full of physical meetings where we have to get dressed and mobilise initiates in me the kind of pre-exhaustion that a transatlantic flight used to. So we're scared of letting people down by being wrong or dull or unavailable. But even more scared of letting ourselves down because this truly feels, this truly feels to me like the moment where I could fall by the wayside. When decades of building relationships and friendship groups just comes to nothing. When all those years of negotiating my hometown just dissolves. Where I find that I can't plan, where I can't lift my own emotional restrictions. And I'd almost rather be alone forever than have to go out to dinner and find the chat. So for people like me, for us lot in the second camp, what will happen next? Will we stage a comeback or are we just gone? Because it's been a roller coaster. Everyone says so. Everybody says so. And maybe we're still hanging upside down on some super shit fairground ride. That <laughs> 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 we'd be totally ripped off at I mean, some carnival. I mean, five or ago by a 12 year old drinking cider out of a LucasAid bottle. One of those bastards once left me on. Like, basically, the scariest ride I've ever been on for about 25 minutes. It was meant to be a four-minute ride. We just got left there. <laughs> God, how terrifying. And then we're full of, like, candy floss. And it's, like, sticking in our hair and whatever. I mean, basically, yes. The emotional roller coaster. We've definitely got a ticket for that. The corona so- coaster. Sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it goes down or upside down or backwards if you're really unlucky. And the point is that, you know... Emotions are unpredictable, terrifying, laugh one minute, crying the next minute, kind of hot mess. And, you know, it is exhilarating when things are on the ascent, but all too quickly it comes roaring down. The next thing you know, you're fighting the urge to be sick. Anyway, we're strapped in for this ride and it is what it is. The helter skelter, the helter skelter (laughs) brain melter. Oh my God. It's the downward spiral that is your brain activity at 3am. So you, you wake and you sort of feel normal for a nanosecond, then the descent begins. You're not earning enough. Everyone's more successful. You're going to be alone forever. At what point will you become a child-eating witch who lives in a tree trunk fighting with nesting squirrels? (laughs) It's all of life's big questions for which you have not one answer. Oh, my God. There's also, you know, I'm going to try and pretend that I'm on the keep calm and carousel. There's a lot to be said for life just going round and round sometimes. Maybe that's what we should be thinking 
you know, unchallenging, mildly pleasant. I mean, you'd never imagine that you'd be the sort of person who'd start thinking about going to bed at 9pm. But here we are, yawning, running a bath before the credits of, you know, Antiques Roadshow yes, slash please. Line of Duty yeah. are finished. You know, let's just try and be reassuringly boring. I'm kind of addicted to reassuringly boring right now. Anything else feel, just feels like a house of unfun. <laughs> oh my I'm God. Just, yeah, I know. It, it really nauseating, tripping over, sliding doors, things fucking going backwards when they should go forwards, ringing in your ears, like weird twirling, rotating poles, shifting floors, can't find my balance. Just give me the pill. <laughs> Do you know, also, I used to quite like those ghost houses, the haunted houses. Yes, so, line of duty, girl. Yes, exactly. I didn't. Ghost training for life. You know, there are some times... When and this is the this is the savage in me. This is not the savage in me. This is the this is the sort of relentless critic in me who's like you've just got to feel the fear. Shut your eyes, scream and feel it because you know. Hopefully, you'll open them again and find the thing that you were scared of. Oh fuck! It was really frightening. It was incredibly <laughs> frightening. It was a pandemic. You've gone insane, and you're absolutely right to be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, maybe not. Let's just hop on the wailing wall, sir. Yeah. Like, if you're when in doubt, how? <laughs> Exactly. Much safer. Do you know what my daughter said to me this morning? She said, Mum, I think I want to um, create a mental corner in my room. Uh, we all need a mental corner. <laughs> I'm going to go to my mental corner used to now. be a rage cupboard, but yeah. now it's definitely a mental corner. <laughs> Should we just crawl off to our mental corners? Yeah, exactly. And see you next week. I'll uh, see you next week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Blossom into a badass.